the idea that Nelly could be on TRL the day after the Backstreet Boys, right? Mm-hmm. With a song like Country Grammar, right? If you would have if you would have said that ten years prior, you would have been like, "There's not a chance in hell that a rapper talking about the things that he talked about on that song would have been placed in the same conversation as an all boy pop group, right?" right? Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not, it was unfathomable at one point in time. Now it's a normal thing. It's right. a normal thing. So, so, yeah, no, I don't think, I think he's talented and I don't think anyone can do what he does uh, or did I, I at think, the time. I, I think it's interesting how time periods work with music too, because you can have a style or something that was brand new, like what Nelly did and try to put it in a different time period. And it probably, it probably wouldn't have worked. Like say, Say Country Grammar came out today, would it have been as successful as it was when it came out then? Hey, CEP listeners, thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. If you see a post on the social medias, like, share, and comment, and jump in on the conversation. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about what it's like to be in studio recording music for a band or a solo artist. We talk about internet trolls, and we dive deep into the Last Dance documentary. If you'd like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, don't hesitate to reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you'd like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am Colt Brocato, my co-host and good friend Patrick Blair, off in Skype land as usual until God knows when. Until 2022. At least. At least. That's if we're lucky. Um, So we were, right before I hit record, we started to talk about how weird Coke Zero is. No, no, no. Well, I asked you (laughs) you if you were drinking a regular Coke. Because, you know, during the coronavirus, I don't know if you want to be putting that much sugar into your body. You said, no, it it is a zero sugar, what is it, vanilla cherry? Cherry vanilla, but yes. Cherry vanilla? Uh huh. I said, so that's a Coke Zero. You go, no, no, it's not. It's just a zero sugar. And I go, no, no, it's a Coke Zero. You're like, no, it's not. I'm like, hey, I'm reading your can. Turn the can around. <laughs> and then I said, who drinks something and doesn't know what they're putting into their body? Uh, most Exhibit Americans. A. Exhibit A, right here, this guy. Most Americans. That's true. That's but, true. But uh, I said, on... yeah, I said, Coke Zero is weird. I can't. Uh... So I had a weird experience with Coke Zero. Okay. Um, I love, but by the way, let me just say, I love Coca-Cola. I wish I could drink it every day and not be 300 pounds and have diabetes and, and, and everything. I love it. Uh-huh. There's nothing better than an ice cold can of Coca-Cola. doesn't matter what meal I'm having. I have it with <laughs> breakfast. I have a lunch, dinner, snack, late night after a run. I don't give a fuck. I love that shit, but I don't drink it because um, it's terrible for you. But so when Coke Zero arrived I remember thinking, all right, I'm gonna give this a whirl. And I remember out of the can, I was like, all right, it's all right. It's not, it it certainly tastes different than Diet Coke. And then I had a bad experience. So I got, uh, you know, get a 12 pack from the store of just regular Coke Zero. And the, the, the rim of the cans all smelled like chemicals. 
like bad. Weird. Like to the point where it was like stinging my nose when I would take a sip. So I was like, do I take, what do I do? You can't take them back to the grocery store. They're going to be like, kick rocks, go get another 12 pack and shut up. What, what do we care? We didn't, we didn't make the stuff here. And then, so ever since then, that's all I think about is that smell. When I see it, like if you put a Coke zero in front of me, I'll just think of that smell. It'll just, and like, it like burned, it burned my face. That's I don't weird. know what it was, but every single can, it wasn't just one can of the 12 pack. It was every single can. Uh, I, I don't know what it was. It was very weird. So ever since then, I, haven't even touched a Coke Zero. I wonder, so if, I wonder if that was something that like got on the box when it was in storage or something. I don't know, but I felt like if I kept drinking them, so I'd be dead of cancer of some sort. <laughs> yeah, just, that's just me. It was it was weird. It's it stunk. I mean, it, I mean, like cl- not cleaning chemicals, but like if you ever drive by like a chemical plant, and you get that that overwhelming smell. Like it's just that's what it, it smelled like. But it, like wafting off of the can and i was like okay that's i gotta throw these away right i was very sad to throw a a perfectly good 12 pack well not it wasn't good but perfectly fresh new 12 pack of coke zero into the garbage but that's where it went (laughs) have you had had you had coke zero before that or was that your first attempt with it no no i had had it before that sure yeah absolutely i didn't like it that much you know occasionally i would be in the grocery store i'd be like oh let's give that a shot um i do like carbonation so that's why i'm on my giant uh zevia well i mean it's not i wouldn't call it a kick anymore i'm full-blown zevia now like i'm not gonna go yeah we should because i used to drink a lot of like diet i like diet coke too but it's from what we've been told it's terrible for you right i would i I was gonna say we should reach out to zevia and try to get them as a sponsor but joe rogan's already mentioned them several times and they don't sponsor him so although it'd be a lot cheaper to sponsor us than it would joe rogan (laughs) you think (laughs) yeah for sure. Um, speaking of him, he brought up, so I don't know what show it was. I don't, I don't remember what guest it was. It was recent, but he brought up a good point. And again, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a groundbreaking point to bring up during this, this time of crisis, but he brought up a great point that I've heard mentioned by other people. And I think you and I have actually talked about it jokingly at the beginning. I was like, Hey, you want to avoid COVID go for a run, eat some broccoli, get healthy. Now, I stand by that, meaning like you should get healthy, mm-hmm. you should exercise, you should eat, eat vegetables, right? Yeah, and if, and if, he you, said if I, you didn't before this, you should now. 100%. Take, take this as a lesson. Take this as a sign, absolutely. Yeah. But he he brought up the point of during this time, everyone's been pushing fear, pushing fear, pushing fear. We got to be shut down. We can't go back. We can't get back to business, all this stuff. And he never, and he goes, no one's ever bothered to talk about health and the impacts of the virus on your immune system and how you could boost your immune system, how important it is to get sleep, how important it is to not be stressed. And, and, you know, things like exercise and, and supplementation will help reduce your stress levels dramatically. Um, no one's talking about it. It's not the agenda being pushed. The agenda being pushed is fear, which we know that's how we live. That's how we, uh, that's how we do things. We talked about it on the last show you know, mainstream media pushing a narrative that involves fear and division. And, but that's a great point. No one, no one's talking about it on a level that would really make some movement. And I think maybe we should, it's not going to happen. You know, big pharma would never let anyone talk about the, the impacts of vitamins and minerals and essential things that your body needs on an everyday basis, but let alone during a pandemic um, involving a virus like this. No, no, that would be too easy. Why would you bring that up? 
But that's a good point. And if you think about it, you know, turn on the news tomorrow. You're not you're not going to hear about it. Right. You hear about ways to prevent the virus, wear a mask, social distancing, all these things. But you're not going to hear about, hey, by the way, do you supplement? Do you get enough exercise? What is your diet like? Um, and I was just talking to my my wife over breakfast for this. And I, I'm still I'm still annoyed by it. And we don't have to go too far down the Corona road. I mean, I know I'm sure you're tired of it. And I'll, I'll be honest, so am I. But, you know, we ended the last show talking about you got to ask questions, man. So I heard a, I heard a stat thrown around that the average age of death for the coronavirus is older than the actual life expectancy in the United States. Okay. Oh. Now, look, I've heard that said n- numerous times by many different people. Right. One of which we were just talking about. And I've not been able to find that data anywhere. I spent a good 30, 35 minutes on the CDC website after I heard that, the WHO's website. I can't find that stat. So I don't know where people are getting it from. So again, you have to ask the question, where is that coming from? Where is that information coming from? What agenda are they pushing with that stat? I find that hard to believe. I really do. Do, do you know what the stat of, like, what the actual age is, the, the life expectancy age? I want to say it was 82. I think think it's 82. So that means that the average, 79 or 82. And again, I, I should have okay. had that prepared, but I didn't know we were going to go down this road. Okay. And I always forget. It's one. It's it's around there. But essentially, they're saying that the the average age of death for the coronavirus is older than that. Which, huh. man, if that's true, then yeah, we we actually we absolutely should be. If we're talking about quarantining people, then we should really extend the age of quarantine to those that age group rather than everyone. I don't know. I, again, I couldn't find that stat. I couldn't find that information. And I cannot find any stats that back up the whole, you know, as you know, California shut down until August or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I still can't find any stats to back up the idea that the mortality rate in California is 0.03%. Right. I can't, I don't know where anyone's getting that information. What is the trusted source? You would think that the CDC and the WHO are the trusted sources, but the, it's not stated anywhere on their website, so I, I I don't know if there's there's I don't know. You know, maybe what, I'm not reading the it, fine print. I have no idea. Yeah, but it's okay. those kind of things that push you away from even trying to figure out what the information is, because even the trusted sources, you don't even they aren't giving out the information, or you know, you're you just don't you even the trusted sources, you don't know if you can trust. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> they're your own trusted sources. When right. someone says, "I I have I have." I have trusted sources. No, no, they're your trusted source. Trusted by whom? Right. Who trusts them? Yeah. But again, all questions that we 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 should be asking, and maybe we we are, but we're not necessarily asking them at the right times. I I, I don't know. Again, that 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 whole stat has has me going. Uh, what? I, everything's anecdotal, you know. And as we're talking about that, my wife brought up a coworker of hers that's had that has had three family members die to due to the coronavirus. One of which is in their 40s, the other in their 60s. Now, again, this is anecdotal evidence of what's going on, but that can't be uh, that can't be so limited that the average age of death would be that high, right? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what the answers are. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you froze on me. Can you We're hear back. me? Yes. No. We're yes. <laughs> Jesus, you're not answering me. <laughs> Jesus. 
think you're having technology. Like a- it's like we're Nelly and Ludacris. We we have no technology to go through three hours of material. Did you look that Nelly up by the way? Uh, yeah, I mean, they were trying to stream and go over old hits, and, and, you know, I don't know. I didn't. I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, oh, cool. Nelly, I mean, at first I thought it was going to be a rap battle between the two, and I was like, that's an interesting uh, right. dynamic. Yeah. But, know, apparently, Nelly was having issues with his Wi-Fi here in St. Louis. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there storms and all that stuff, so. Let me, let me ask you what might be a ridiculous question, but I was listening— to uh so we did a, a trivia night thing last night through uh questionable pursuits i don't know if you know who they are they do he does a he mark armenio he does what's called questionable pursuits and he actually travels around he does a lot of like trivia nights at shamrocks and stuff like that okay well he, he's he been doing them online so uh my my nephew and his wife came over last night and we we did one it was like two it was 2000s music and uh, we were taking like these little YouTube quizzes things first, bef- just to see, just get, get an idea. And Nelly had a couple of hits that were in the 2000s. And I was listening to him and thinking, how hard is it to do what Nelly does on a microphone? I know that sounds like a ridiculous. On, are you shitting on Nelly right now? I'm not shitting on Nelly at all. I enjoy, I like Nelly a lot. But so I, don't, I don't understand your question. If if you if you listen to a Nelly song, okay, and you put him in a studio in front of a microphone, could could anybody do that? Because because most of it is just saying words. I know this is a ridiculous question, but I, I'm I'm being honest. Since you just stepped out of your cave, let me explain something to you. How, okay, wait. I understand there's a lot. Saying, I understand that there's a lot more that goes into it than just what I'm breaking it down to. So let me say that. Okay. So, <laughs> are you asking this about every rapper in general? Not really. Be- Why him? Be- then? Be- well, be- no, because it begins. It depends on the dynamic of who the rapper is and what their style is. Like Eminem's a different rapper than Nelly is, and not everybody can do. Most people can't do what Eminem can do. So you think? Microphone. So I guess what you're saying is that Nelly has a style that is easy to recreate or mimic. Possibly. I'm going to disagree with think. you there. Okay. okay. I'm going to disagree with you there, and the reason I'm going to do that is because Nelly, um, in a lot of his songs, actually uses uh, a lot of melody. And there's a lot of harmony behind what he's doing that not everyone can do because there are a lot of tone-deaf people out there. Okay. There are a lot of tone-deaf rappers out there. Okay. By tone-deaf, meaning they can't carry a tune. They can't stay in pitch if they had to. Is that why auto-tune is involved? It has a lot to do with it, but I think auto-tune just sounds cool to a lot of people. Right. So that's, that's, you know, but, and believe me, there's auto-tune on every piece of music you hear. Yeah. Every piece of music. There's, right. there's, there, it's been tuned. Right. Okay. Now, it's not overdone like T Pain. Right. However, there's, he, there's auto tune. Was he the beginning of auto tune like the way it is now? I think he revolutionized it for sure. Right. And I think a lot of the, the, I don't use, a lot, a lot of the hip hop you hear today is, is a direct influence of T Pain. Yes. But, so back to Nelly. No, I would say no. He does not, to me, have a style that is easy to, recreate okay 
That's what, that was an odd question. I, it was just something you that popped in not, my head. You say you're not shitting. Um, I'm, so I'm, I was going to respond to your question with a question. Okay. Um, which is, in theory then, wouldn't it be easy for anyone to do what Billie Eilish does? Yes, in theory. She's the biggest star in the world right now. Right, yeah. So, I mean, and Nelly, I, I've legit said, and I think I've said it on here too, she is a loud whisperer. That That's what her music sounds like to me. Now, I've heard her sing, and she can sing for sure. But that's not what most of her music is. Yeah. Yeah. She's but, a studio singer. Yeah. But as um, I said, as I said, to go back to what I said earlier, I am 100% not shitting on Nelly. I'm a ma- massive fan of Nelly. Love the fact that he's from St. Louis. What's your, what's your favorite song? Uh, I mean, it'd probably go back to like country grammar or something, something along those lines. Okay. So, you're a huge fan, but your questioning is talent level. That that's not what I'm saying. You you can you can be talented and still people be able to recreate what you what you do. Yeah, that doesn't make you not talented. So then, what was the point of your question? Because you are more <laughs> musically inclined than I am, and it's a legit question that, I, and I think about that too because. I don't think a lot of people, your average person, when they hear a song on the radio or whatever, I don't think they think about all the 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 different parts that go into somebody getting behind that microphone and making a song. There's yeah. there's a, a lot of puzzle pieces that go, that have to come together perfectly to make that happen. All you okay. hear all you hear is a song. You're like, I like that song or I don't like it. You know, so I, I think I try to think about those things and I, I don't know a lot of things. And that's what I kind of want to use this podcast for, too, is to learn, learn some of the shit that you've done that I've never been involved in. I've never been in a music studio or anything. Yeah, yeah. OK, well, l- l- let me just say this. So, no, I, the average person cannot go into a vocal booth. Right. And do what Nelly does. Not a, not a, not a, not a chance. There are talented people out there that could. Absolutely. Yeah. But the reason that Nelly was successful and is successful and is one of the biggest, I mean, look at his albums. The reason that he was successful is because he was able to do something that wasn't being done at the time. He created a new sound that got, that crossed over into pop music. And no one's, uh, I've heard, I've heard a lot of hip hop heads shit on Nelly and early 2000s rap. And I'm, I get, I get why they're saying the things they say. However, if you don't appreciate what early 2000s hip hop like Nelly, like Ludacris, like Lil Jon did for the placement of hip hop and rap music in pop culture, then what are you? What are we even talking about? They have a huge. They had, there was a huge. The idea that Nelly could be on TRL the day after the Backstreet Boys, right? Mm-hmm. With a song like Country Grammar, right? If you would have if you would have said that ten years prior, you would have been like, "There's not a chance in hell that a rapper talking about the things that he talked about on that song would have been placed in the same conversation as an all boy pop group." Right? right? Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's not. It was unfathomable at one point in time. Now it's a normal thing. It's right. a normal thing. So, so yeah, no, I don't think. I think he's talented, and I don't think anyone can do what he does. Uh, or did I, I at think, the time. I, I think it's interesting how time periods work with music too because you can have a style or something that was brand new like what Nelly did 
and try to put it in a different time period and it probably it probably wouldn't have worked. Like say say Country Grammar came out today, would it have been as successful as it was when it came out then? Uh, today, yes, because it, it, again, uh, I think rap music and hip hop music has completely crossed over into pop culture and pop music. I think if you brought out a song like that today, yeah, listen. To, I mean, look, again, people can say what they want, but if you listen to, let me just think, a group like Migos, I, when I listen to Migos, hear a direct influence, a direct Nelly influence in their music. Okay. I don't think they they vocally sound the same by any means. Okay. Actually, no. I'm gonna go back on that. I would say a lot of the cadences that they use in their in their songs. I hear Nelly. I hear Nelly, and I hear all of that. That uh, I hear Nelly. I hear Ludacris. Uh, I hear Outkast. So yeah, I think there's. I think it very much could be if it were. Let's say it never happened. And it got released today. Absolutely, I could see it. Now it's a little bit. It's a little bit poppier than. A, a group like Migos, don't get me wrong, but now and by popular I mean the singles. However, the rest of the record, not 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 a chance. Listen to, do you know the song "Stir Fry" by Migos? You're gonna hate my next statement. <laughs> Wide it up, dude. Wide I have it up. no Let's idea who Migos got. is. I've never heard that oh, before in my life. Fucking god. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I've just been shaking my head like, yeah, Migos, huh? Yep, sure. <laughs> You don't know the song Bad and Bougie? Mm-hmm. You've heard it before. Go look up Migos when we're done, and you'll hear you'll hear a Nelly influence there. Okay. Trust me. And okay. they're one of the hottest hottest rap groups, uh, hottest hip-hop rap groups, whatever you want to call it. They're one of the groups, okay? They're one. <laughs> they're very popular. <laughs> okay. I won't go on a... Never mind. Um, I was going to go down a road, and you definitely weren't going to know who I was talking about after that. So... Again, I hear their influence. I hear the influence there. So yeah, I do think he could release an album like Country Grammar today, or a song like EI or something like that, and I could see it blowing up. Absolutely. Um, I think you hear a lot of the early two thousands in that music, so I think there would have to be a little bit. There would need to be adjustments made, so sort of uh, be with the times. But I think a lot of what he did, and a lot of what a lot of those artists did in that day, I think it was its own sound. And I think in a lot of ways it was groundbreaking. So, so if there was, uh, if there, so you're saying if there was no Nelly, there would also be other rappers that we would not know. Uh, I, I because can't, they, took, they to, took so much from his style. Well, no, I mean, it's hard for me to say that because, you know, there's not a Nelly without the guys that came before him. Right. Right. So it's hard for me to say that. And, and you know, things do happen to where, yeah, I think it, the other thing that I think was really great about Nelly was the production of the music. And I think there were a lot of elements to the music that were very comfortable for the average ear. Okay. A lot of the guitars you heard and a lot of the swing you heard in his music, that's easy for the average ear to sort of latch on to. Right. So, and that, again, that's not, that's not a groundbreaking concept, but for hip hop it was. Right. So, yeah, man, I, I, I'm very defensive of, of <laughs> Nelly here, but no, it's a good thing. That's what I, w- I was kind of hoping for, to be honest with you, because yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was coming at it from an ignorant position because I don't know. I'm just going by your average person listening to a song, but also 
I'm a little bit deeper than that because I understand all, a lot of the elements that go into producing and making something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, well, look, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge, as you know, a huge hip hop lover, and I have been since I was a kid, and I never really lost, lost touch with it. And uh, I think one of the most important things for people to do if they're just getting into it or don't really know necessarily. They like they like some stuff, but again, they ask questions like you ask, like how how hard if they ask, I won't call your question ignorant, but <laughs> if they ask an ignorant question like how hard is that? It's it, all they're doing is just talking. I've heard, you know that's such an age old question now, you know, asked by older people, older generations that don't understand it. Well, I'll tell you this: I don't know if you consider that difficult, but in order to make that music, there is a process that has to be um, embraced, and and that the production quality of, of hip hop and rap music is one of the things that I really love about it. And the thing that I always tell people is like, look, when you're listening to a song and it, we won't use Nelly as an example, but just your favorite artist, they had to create that music. And a lot of times people, well, they just stole a sample from an older song and they, okay. Yeah. But that's a process that you have to go through. One of the things that I always say is go, go, look into and and find how a guy like DJ Premier made his beats or DJ Shadow makes makes a beat or anybody i mean any any hip hop producer today go and find out how they make their beats there really is a process and i think it's 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 the same way as crafting a song you know if i go behind me and grab a guitar and i start crafting a song together it's the same to me um and that's one of the things that i've always loved about it i love the production value behind uh, hip hop and rap music. I think it's great. I actually have on my phone right now, I have instrumental albums purchased and downloaded on my phone. They'd have no, there's no vocals. It's just the beats. And I could get in my car and put those on and I'm completely content. I don't need the vocals. That's what I love about it. I like the, the idea of creating the music. Right. Um, and, and when I, when I was bringing up Nelly, I was also, you know, I keep saying that, I know there's a lot more that goes into it, but I was really just breaking it down to just him in front of a microphone, not talking about everything that was created outside of what he's putting into the microphone. Does that make sense? Yeah. I still think that's an odd question. I'm sorry. You answered, yeah, you answered think, it well, though. But I think he would. So I, I forget what the question was at this point. Is, is it easy to do that? I think it was. the Or could anyone do that? How hard is that? What did you say? I I guess I let's go know. with how hard was that. I don't know exactly how I worded it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's easy. No, okay. I, I've also let me say this too. So the 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 way that I've been in the studio with a rapper, uh, I've actually sang on a couple of of hip hop songs. Okay, and I've seen their process. It's completely different than. And now everyone has their own individual processes, but the process that a rapper goes through to create the song and, and actually putting the vocals onto the song, I'll be honest, like when I'm recording a song and I'm doing vocals on a song, I hate, I hate repetition. Okay. Okay. Meaning doing a part over and over and over, whether I'm getting it or not, because some people will ask you, let's get another take. Let's get another take. That's some producers ways of working while others are going to say, we're just going to get the one take and we're going to move on. I've had it both ways. I hate the repetition of doing the same thing over and over and over. While it is necessary because there are different emotions and different things that you can pick and choose from, 
But for a rapper to do that, that gets tedious, man. And I understand why that would be, I would, I would lose my mind. So, um, so you mean I, you bring, bring emotion into it, like how it sounds when you, I, that sounds dumb, but like you say, you do a take, you listen to it and you think, well, maybe I should come at like the way that sounds to me, I should come at that with a different emotion to make it sound a little different. Is that right? Yeah. The, the producer of the song is going to go, Hey, give me a little bit more aggressiveness or emotion or whatever the use, whatever adjective you want on this specific phrasing on this specific line, this specific word. Um, and that, and I've experienced that again, watching a rapper do that and then recording my own music. Um, and it's at times it's not fun. So as a hip hop artist, you don't have the sort of, you don't have the camaraderie of the band behind you. Like if you're in a, in a rock, a rock band mm-hmm. where they're sort of going, giving you their opinions, you you're sort of at the mercy of you and the microphone and then whoever's in the booth, which likely you can't see unless they have video set up, which that can be weird. So you basically have the voice of God coming down through your headphones <laughs> telling you that you need to do it better. Right. Now, again, I, I'm not doing this is not a crimey, crimey river, uh, uh, but it, it it's it sucks sometimes, man. It's a pain in the ass. It's a job. It's not easy. So when you ask the question, is that easy for him to do? Now, look, I've never been in the studio with another. Maybe he got all of that shit done in one take. Right. And they called it a day. Probably not. So, no, it's not easy by any means. And again, if you're not accustomed to dealing with that sort of criticism and that that direction, if you don't like being directed by people, then you do not want to be in a recording studio. Right. That's unless you're doing it all yourself. Right. Which that, I think that has a lot to do with people recording all of their music on their own and not working with other people as they have 100 percent control over it. <clears throat> control of the content and they don't have to deal with that criticism and you know the idea that there are too many cooks in the kitchen and uh i like the 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 sort of creative atmosphere that working with other people creates or generates i like it and it does get frustrating i've been i've been known to uh lose my temper uh before but it helps. I think it brings out the best in the in the song at times. And then, and then again, at times it, it doesn't. So to go back to the original sort of surface question, no, it's not easy to do what he did. Gotcha. So have you I, I assume that you've heard horror stories about bands being in the studio and not meshing with the the engineer? I have horror stories. Yeah, you have. But I've heard you. I've heard you have horror stories of your, of your own. You do. Yeah. Yeah, really? totally. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, look, you you don't want to be in the, And again, I'm speaking, this is anecdotal. So uh, again, I'm different than ever myself and people that I've been involved with creatively are completely different than other people, other bands, other whatever artists. But you don't want to be walking into a situation where you're about to create with another person and you don't have a relationship with them. Okay. There has to be, and again, this is my experience. There has to be a feeling out process at first. So I'll tell you a story. So one of the bands I was in, we went to record at a studio in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, with a guy. To be perfectly honest, honest, at this point, I don't even remember how we got hooked up with him. But he had recorded some bigger names that we were giant fans of. Now, 
And when I say bigger names, I mean all over the board. He worked with pop artists, metal bands, and we're not talking, I mean, we're talking heavy, heavy fucking bands, uh, rappers, hip hop artists, like I said, pop groups, solo pop artists. So when we had heard his name and then we looked him up, we're like, oh my God, he recorded such and such? Like, that's crazy. We immediately were like, wow, well, let's talk to him and let's see if we can even afford it. Because, you know, at the time, we're paying for all this shit on our own. So I found out he had worked with a rapper that I was, that at the time was not famous, who is extremely famous now, that I was a fan of, and then a couple of metal bands that I really liked. And we're talking like lower, not lower level, but sort of underground, not, uh, we'll call them indie metal bands, uh, that I myself and other people that I was working in the band really loved. So for us, it was like, God, we really want to work with this guy. Let's give him a call. So we had a call with him, had him on speakerphone, seemed cool, seemed, seemed, seemed all right. You know, him being from Cleveland and in Cleveland, me being a Cleveland sports fan, that was a huge icebreaker for me personally. So we decided, all right, we discussed prices with him and decided we're going to do this. So we had it scheduled. We drove out, all loaded up in a, in a, in a, in a car together, took our gear out there, drove to Cleveland. So we're on the road for 10 hours. We get into Cleveland and, you know, by probably like 1 a.m., something like that. We all sleep in the same hotel room because that's all we can afford. We show up the next day to the studio and he could not have been any more, any different, any more different than he was on the phone. Not welcoming at all, very confrontational, very short with us. And not to mention, oh, by the way, you're a co-owner of this studio. It's owned by another guy who we didn't even meet. Hmm. Okay. When the other guy walks in, I go, God, that guy looks fucking familiar. Who is that guy? And so he introduced himself, said his name, and I go, hey, man, what's your last name? And he told me his last name. So I Googled him. Oh, come to find out he was the vocalist for a band that I had seen in concert a couple of times in the early 2000s. Okay. Okay. Cool. Major, major label band. Major band. And I was like, cool. But he was even less welcoming, was even more short. And so we all looked at each other and like, fuck, I think we just wasted a 10 hour drive. We might have to, this is not going now. And again, this, this is first impressions. We still got work to do. So we're going to record an EP with this guy. So it's going to be a long four days of, of us being there. If this doesn't change. Um, so what he wanted to do was, Hey, so why don't you guys, you guys brought guitars. Why don't you play me a few riffs or a few of the songs you had? I was like, Jesus Christ, no conversation, no coffee, like nothing. Like this is this is how it's going to be. Saying, I don't like that shit. Other people can just deal with it. Um, you know, the guitar players in the band at the time were more than happy to just pick up the guitars and start playing. Right. That's fine. Now, me, I feel vulnerable as a vocalist who might not necessarily have had something prepared. I like to write sort of on the spot. And some people don't like you to do that. I had told him over the phone that, Hey, I have ideas. I don't have lyrics yet. I don't, I just have ideas. And he goes, well, just go in and hum me your idea. I don't care. So I was like, all right, fine. Now, again, I'm already in a bad mood because of this. I don't like doing it that way. And again, just because of the first impression I'm, you know, so we had to, before we did it, I took a step outside. One of the other guys comes outside and he just goes, what the fuck, man? I'm like, well, (laughs) I mean, we just spent, you know, and by the way, to add sort of more, more, you know, stress to the situation, it was snowing 
we went up there in the fall, so it was snowing, you know, pulling a trailer in the snow. I go, well, look, dude, we just drove 10 hours in the snow. Like, we got to at least give this a shot. Otherwise, like, yeah, he goes, I know, but this is just, this is crazy. And I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. And so we just went in and went through whatever, whatever song we had prepared. And he was like, oh, I really like that. All right, cool. So as we keep playing, as we keep playing, he's sort of opening up. He's kind of joking around. He's asking the right questions. It's not as combative right. as it was when we first stepped foot into the studio. And so finally, I'm like, all right, is it time for me to go, hey, bro, where was this two hours ago? Like, because Jesus. And so um, finally, we play another song. And then so finally on the microphone, I was like, how you feeling, man? Feeling good? Feeling like I'm just sort of like joking. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not he doesn't even know where what my tone is at this point. I'm like, how you feeling, dude? You feeling pretty good? Like, maybe you want to go have a beer or something like that. And he goes, no, nah, do one more. Right. So I'm like. Fucking Jesus. So, all right, fine. And so this song, by the way, this next song they're going to play, I have nothing. I have no ideas yet. I wanted to work with him. So I got nothing. And he goes, hey, I know you don't have ideas. Just come up with like on the spot, just ideas vocally. So what does he do? He puts like a deep, like Darth Vader type uh, fader on my voice. So everything I'm doing, everyone can hear it. I sound like Darth Vader. Okay, that's his way of breaking the ice, apparently. I wish you had just said that in the beginning. But so everyone's laughing. No one can really play through it because they're hearing me. I don't know that it's happening to me. It's only <laughs> happening in the room. So I still hear me, normal me, everyone else. And now they're all laughing at me. I know they're, I know now that they're laughing at me. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I feel attacked, right? And so come out here. I want you to hear the playback. Everyone here loves it, right? So he's now, he's fully fucking with me. He goes, come out here. I want you to hear the playback of what you did. It's everyone in the room loves it. It's really cool. Hits play. And it's me sounding like Darth Vader over the song. And I'm like looking at everyone, you, you motherfuckers like that, you know? <laughs> and so that was his way of breaking the ice. Now I had to be the, the guinea pig of this. I had to be the, the butt of the joke. But so after that, everyone kind of calmed down, relaxed a little bit. And he goes, yeah, let's go have that beer. Let's go outside and chat. So from then moving forward, it was a good sort of working relationship. Right. So my whole point of that story is that, man, if you don't have that, 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 that relief of that tension, it, it sucks, man. It's not, and not a lot of people can deal with it. I've seen, I've seen people break down in the studio and quit wow. in the middle of the session. It, it, you know what it makes me think of? It, it makes me think of, um, in the studio when Lil Dicky's in the studio in the show, Dave with YG. Yep. Right. And they're just like. Like, yeah, yeah, well, we got it. We were gonna, and he goes, no, I thought we were going to do it this way. He wasn't prepared for what they were going to do. So walking into a situation like that, you know, they're basically like, no, no, we got it. We got, we're going to start from scratch. He goes, no, I had a, I had a beat in mind and this and that. And they're going, no, no, we're going to do it this way. So he wasn't prepared for that. And then right. finally it was like, well, why don't you just freestyle? And he goes, oh, I wasn't prepared to do that either. And they're like, get the fuck out of here, bro. That happens. That happens. And if you're not ready for that, and if you're not ready to take it on, it will break you. So again, I've seen people... I've seen it break people. I mean, I can I can no. under, I can understand how somebody could go into the studio and regardless of you mesh or not, the engineer has a, a you know once they really listen to the the music and the vocals and stuff, they get a different idea of what they think it should be compared to what the vocalist or the rest of the band thinks it should be, and I can see how that could cause some tension. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, again, that's kind of what you sign up for though. I mean, we knew that we, we, we told him we want you to 
produce us. And I, for those listening, I'm using air quotes. We want you to produce us. We don't want you to, to just be an engineer. Right. Now, we want you to produce us because of your previous work. We love your previous work. Now, again, just because we say that doesn't mean it's going to be a fun time. He's going to give you, and we said hurt our feelings. You know, we said hurt our feelings. And, and again, it's not fun. And there were, there were times during that, that experience where we, we all fought with each other. We fought with him. People left the room and didn't come back for two hours. You know, that's what the creative process is like. And I'm sure there are people who don't have anything to do with music going, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, <laughs> you know. But it's stressful, man. I At the end of the day, I never – very few times in my life, and I, I you know, I've, I was doing it. I still do it, but I've been writing and creating and recording music, playing music for a long time. I never really looked at it like it was a job, ever. Even though I was put in situations where, okay, you could kind of consider it your job. I never really looked at it as a job because I knew in situations like that, I was, I personally tend to put a lot of pressure on myself. My anxiety can go through the roof. So I knew that in situations like that, I would, I would have a fucking mental breakdown. I knew because if I already had that added pressure of this is my job going into a situation like that, I could have well could have well been one of those people could well have been one of those people that quit mid session, you know, thankfully I never did. But so look, I mean, you don't if, if you do consider it your job, you don't want someone telling you how to do your job. Right. Even if you give them the OK to do so, it's just it sucks sometimes. So, yeah, the point of that story is it's difficult to create things like Nelly created, if you're in a room with people who are not on board with what you're doing or who are working against you or that tension has not been sort of relieved yet, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you and I know plenty of people that could give you their, their sort of either horror stories or stories where it worked out great. Um, when you get in a room with someone and they, you know, and then some people are just easy to work with. There's no need to ease the tension because they're just sweethearts and they, you know, they're, they're team you, right. not everyone's team you. It's not, you know, you know, especially for a guy like that, that I was talking in that story I was talking about, he's putting his name on it too. Right. He, he wants the product as well. So have you, have yeah, you dealt with any engineers in St. Louis? Have you recorded, oh, have you, have you, you have recorded in St. Louis. Did you ever record anything or deal with Matthew Amalong? Yeah, you did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Matt was easy for me to work with because Matt and I had already had a relationship from playing together since, Wait, you know, way back in the day, in his original sort of his original St. Louis band and my sort of original St. Louis band, we that played was, shows together West, probably once Westcott, a month. Right? He was in Westcott at the time. Yeah, gotcha. um, we played, you know, and we all partied together, and you know, um, so he and I had already had a relationship, so I knew when we went in to work with him, it was going to be easy. He was, I call him my my uh, my vocal soulmate. We just, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't hard to work with him. We we never butted heads. It was just easy. Right. And we had a way, again, because we already knew each other and had already had already uh <laughs> experienced uh the heartache that is being in a local St. Louis band. I think we could commiserate together quite a bit. But yeah, well, yeah, he was easy to work with. I actually really liked working with him and I think the some of the stuff that I did with him is some of my favorite stuff I've ever done. He was really good at what he did. Um R.I.P. for sure. You ain't kidding. Uh, missed that guy. Um, 
Yeah, he was. I, I've never heard anyone say negative things about him working with him. I don't know. Not that I can think of. And even if I did, I wouldn't repeat who it is. And I probably would have said, I don't think you're doing the right things. Then I, I don't think you know Matt. I think you need to go back and give it another shot because he's awesome. But and again, you know what? And that's the funny thing you asked that because all of my experiences with working with people who are based in St. Louis have been completely different than the other. Really? They, none of them have been the same. None of them have been the same. So going back to when I said that, you know, let's have you do this over and over and over and over. I've only worked with one. So of the four, four people, maybe I've worked with. Well, no, it's been more than that. So of all the people, that's only been one occasion where I had to do it that way. OK, no one else made me do it that way. In fact, they preferred not doing it that way. So, yeah, the experience is different in that you got to you really have to decide prior to is, you know, you really want to talk that through and decide, is this going to be for me? Because, again, not everyone is equipped uh, with dealing equipped for dealing with that that uh, that working environment, that criticism, that repetitiveness, that that sort of we're going to, you're going to, going to kind of work your brain. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be exhausting on your, on you psychologically and mentally. Um, but yeah, I've dealt with all of it. Um, thankfully I never showed my true colors and said my true feelings and walked out crying and quitting. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you doing that. No, never. Um, <laughs> I've been an asshole. Believe me, I've been an asshole, but yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I know. So, quit shitting on Natalie, bro. <laughs> That's my point of all of that. 40 minutes later. Dude, quit shitting on Nelly. Jesus. Spe- speaking of shitting on, so I, I discovered that, um, and this might make you happy or not so happy, I discovered that we do have a few listeners. Oh, really? Yeah. So let me explain the let me let me paint the scenario for you here. So on our last episode, we ended the episode by talking about Ahmad Arbery, Arbery yep. and uh, racial tensions and feelings and this and that. Uh-huh. So uh, the next day, I go on Twitter and I notice that I have a direct message on Twitter from someone I I have no I have no idea who it is. Want to know what it said? If you think you're not racist, you're wrong. That's what it said. Okay. That's what all it said in the DM. Okay. And I go, hmm. Okay. Don't know who this is. Went to the profile. It's it's a it's an avatar. It's not a picture of anyone. Okay. Seventeen followers. I'm like, this is a fake account or something. So, I go, do I respond to this, or do I wait and see if they send another message? So I didn't respond. And then a couple hours later, I knew you weren't going to respond to me. Uh, And then I think it was like bitch or something like that. Maybe bitch or pussy or coward. Something like that, right? Okay. So then I go, you know what? Fine, I'll respond. And I go, well, let me just start off by saying I don't know who you are. Don't know if you know who I am. I don't know where you're coming from on this. But let me just start off by saying that you calling me a racist does not hurt my feelings at all. It doesn't frazzle me in the slightest. So I don't know where you're going with this. That's all I said. And they go, they respond with, I don't like what you said about Black Lives Matter. And then I go, said about Black Lives Matter when? I've never tweeted about Black Lives Matter. Right. Not once. Right. So this isn't, 
So I go, set about Black Lives Matter when? And he goes, on your shitty podcast. I go, okay. Wow. Okay. okay. All right, cool. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. And I said, well, I'm not going to get into a back and forth in my DMs with you on Twitter because to be perfectly honest with you, I have a job and clearly you don't. So let me just <laughs> say this. I go, what I said was, is that the words mean nothing to me. The movement means something to me, but the words put together into a sentence and yelled at me mean nothing to me. Because again, you're sort of telling me that at any given time in my life, that black lives didn't matter to me, okay? That's what those words yelled at me and screamed at me mean to me. That's not the case. They've never not once in my life not mattered. They've always mattered, just like everyone else. But I'm not going to respond to you by saying all lives matter because, again, it's just as an infantile, infantile response. It's an infantile response to an infantile statement. Again, they're just words. It's not a movement. Those words aren't a movement. The people behind the, 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 the idea, that's a movement. And I 100% support them, right? I'm not going to get into a verbal, uh, a verbal, you know, um, sparring match with someone who's just screaming black lives matter at me or you're a racist to me. It's not worth my time. Right. Right. It's an easy way out for you. So again, like I'm telling you, like I said at the beginning of the sentence, I'm not going to go back and forth on my DMS with you over this because you're just going to take the easy way out and say either that black lives matter or call me a racist. And I go, if you had really listened to the episode, you'd understand what I was saying. Um, and so he goes, fine, I knew, he goes, the per I don't even know if it was a he or she. I, he goes, I'm, I'm saying he because it was a guy's sort of name along with XX69X or whatever the fuck, man, fake name. But he said, yeah, I, I knew you weren't going to get into this, so I'll, I'll, I'll consider this a win or something like that. And I didn't respond. Okay, so later that day, as you know, I've been, I've started watching The Last Dance finally. Mm-hmm. Not actually not looking at highlights or reading other people's comments. I've actually started watching it. Love it, by the way. We'll get into that if we later if you want. But so I tweeted, there was never a time in history when an athlete as important or as beloved as Michael Jordan, no athlete's entire career was based on revenge, redemption, bitterness, spite, quite like Michael Jordan's career. Everything he did in his career was based on, I was upset that that person got that, so I'm going to prove that I should have deserved it more. I was upset that I got cut from the high school basketball team, so I'm going to show him in North Carolina. I was upset that I wasn't the number one pick, so I'm going to show him in the pros, right? I was upset that Charles Barkley got the MVP over me, right? So now I'm going to kick his ass in the finals, right? Mm -hmm. All of these things. I mean, every set, and again, that's kind of when I went back to like why I think he looks like he's in such poor health. Can you imagine the amount of stress that you have to absorb and, and just sort of consume every day when your sole purpose in life is to get revenge or to prove someone wrong every single day of your life? And you know what makes that's that— That's me. That's how I felt he, he lived. Yeah, so like a normal person has so much anxiety that you would have to have to live a life like that on top of what makes it a million times worse is that you have microphones in cameras put in front of your face constantly asking yeah. you the questions about things that you absolutely hate. But how about this too? And, and this is what I was thinking about. And I'll get back to my original story here with the idiot on Twitter, but how about this too? 
everyone in the world was saying he's the best basketball player on earth during that time. Now, he didn't embrace it in a way where he went in front of the press like LeBron did and said, I'm the greatest basketball player in the world. You want to know how he showed that? By being a fucking asshole to you. <laughs> Dude, that takes so much. I mean, I can't even, that would take so much energy. And so you, you'd have to take so much energy out of your, your, your heart, your body and your soul and your brain to, to behave that way. But then also have the added pressure you put on yourself of saying, I know I have to prove them wrong. Not, I know I have to win because it's my job to win basketball games. That's how, that's how I get paid. No, 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 no. I got to prove them wrong to live every single day like that. Do you remember the scene where the security guard beats him at throwing the coin against the wall? Mm -hmm. How fucking pissed (laughs) did he look? Now he was disguising with his, with his like sort of Michael Jordan attitude. Like I let you have that one, but like you could tell with every fiber of his being that he wanted to rip that guy's head off or he wanted to play him again, but it had already gone on so long. He wanted to bet him again. Right. The fact that that guy walked away with Michael Jordan's money, just infuriated Michael Jordan to the point where he had to he had to bottle it and up. And it was only like twenty bucks, I think. Twenty bucks. Yeah. Twenty bucks. And then then you know Will Purdue tells the story about how Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Ron Harper would have one to ten thousand dollar poker games going on in the right. back of the plane, and then up at the front of the plane, you, you have all. How funny is it? You have all the white guys up at the front of the plane <laughs> playing 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 blackjack for like a dollar a hand. Michael Jordan walks up and says, "Let me get in." And John Paxson goes, why the hell would you want to join our game for a dollar hand? Michael Jordan's response was, because I want to have your money in my pocket. Right, yeah. I want you to know, or you say, like, I want to know what it feels like to have your money in my pocket, or I want you to know how it feels to have my money. Either way, that's such a savage response to, why do you want to join our silly game, dude? Go back to your, to your, you know, like, the again, the amount of energy that has to take living like that every single day. Uh, it's just... Anyway, so I tweeted that about Jordan. I, and, and so after that, I tweeted again because I used up all my characters tweeting that. Like, I said, can you imagine if there were camera crews following Jackie Robinson around when he broke the color barrier and, and baseball? I was trying to find another athlete who was sort of basing their entire career off this one thing where I have to prove them all wrong. I think Muhammad Ali did that as well. But I chose Jackie Robinson because he really did do uh, such a, a – a groundbreaking and sort of historical thing for baseball. Now, again, people would argue, and I think this is where I thought when this guy responded to that tweet, I thought that this is where it was going to go because there are a lot of people who say during that time, there are a lot of um, players in the Negro leagues that could have easily done what Jackie Robinson did, who were better than Jackie Robinson and doing bigger and better things than Jackie Robinson, you know, like Satchel Page and uh, Josh Gibson Robinson was the one to do it. That was my point behind it is he was the one that actually did it. So could you imagine if there were camera crews constantly following him around, like during this last dance documentary, imagine, I would love to know how he felt about having to constantly prove himself like that. Forget about just in baseball, but just as a man, right? Mm -hmm. That was my final tweet. I get a comment on that tweet. That's a different name, same tone, right? And it was, why are you speaking for African-American players in baseball? Something like that. And I, and I go, 
excuse me, are you the same person from my DMs, <laughs> but have now changed your profile picture and profile name? Response? Yeah. Yes. Oh it was the same God. person. What the hell? I go, all right. I go, all right. Well, I got to block you because you're not adding anything of value. So, and I've already, I've already said that to you in the DMs. So my biggest, my biggest takeaway from that is someone was listening to the podcast and they got offended by us. So I think we're doing something right. So I didn't want to offend you. And I said that at the beginning of that, by the way, sorry to cut you off. You're fine. With the Ahmad Arbery stuff, I go, I'm going to try to do this in a way that's not going to offend anyone because it is not my intention to offend anyone. Right. But I know these conversations, it's impossible to have those kinds of conversations and not offend someone. Right. Yeah. And that was the point of our conversation. Go ahead. Sorry. So my two takeaways, number one, my question is, where did he find us? I didn't I, ask that. I want, well, I know, I know, and we probably won't know this, but I, I wonder if it's a, uh, if he followed a hashtag somewhere on, twi- on Twitter mean, or on uh, Instagram or something like that. But see, here's the thing. I did, well, well, it could have been that, but so the episode before that one, I don't remember what we talked about, but it wasn't anything of the racial dynamic like we discussed. I don't know. I mean, I do post our videos on Twitter right? with with hashtags sort of revolving around what it is we talked about, but I was like, oh, wow. Well, doing, you're doing something right if you get a reaction, whether it's positive or negative or irrational like it was in this case. Well, I guess, they, I, guess, I guess the other thing it had to, yeah, it had to have been something that you posted. Bec- it, I would imagine because it, he's coming back at you personally, not the show. Well, that's what I was thinking about. But you do say at the beginning you can find us on social media. However, you can't find me on Twitter by searching my name. Well, that's true. You kind of can, but you'd have to do a lot of work. So this person either spent a considerable amount of time to find me, or They've always been, uh, I'll I'll be honest, I do have some trolls of my own that (laughs) that do not like me. I think I've told you about them. So it could have been one of them. Yeah. And they just were bored that day. Right. I have not heard from a troll in a long time, probably because I haven't put out music in a long time. But, but, so that could be the case. That's what I kind of chalked it up to is one of those idiots, you know. Yeah, but you know, the the other thing is too is that we also made it clear that the reason why we're talking about these things is because we feel like it's important that those things are being discussed, regardless of what your take on is it or what your take on it is and where you stand on which side of the line. It doesn't matter. It people should still be expressing their opinions and in doing it in a way that I'm still listening. I have my opinions and I'm going to let you know what that is, but still listening to what the other person has to say. And then trying yeah. to find a middle ground somewhere. And if you don't find a middle ground, whoop de freaking do. You walk away from each other and that you now you know where each other stands on the conversation. Doesn't mean you have to hate each other. And it doesn't mean you have to put go into somebody's DMs and call yourself call somebody a racist when they clearly didn't say anything racist. It's just no. it's ridiculous. Um, but that's that's the that's the uh that's the woke thing to do right now is to misconstrue something said. And make it a racial issue or call someone a racist because it's an easy way out. Right. You know, I, again, yeah, the whole point of us was to have the conversation and you should be able to have the conversation with anyone in a controlled sort of educational way or an informative way where you're trying to hear the person out and get 
not only opinions from the other side, but there could be some facts that you could pull from the other side as well. That again, they don't necessarily have to change your mind, but at least now you know them, right? right? Um, you know, I I go back to I think I said it on the last episode, maybe not. It's easier for us to be divided as people. It's easier on the powers that be for us to stay divided. It's a lot easier to rule people when they're divided. God forbid, what the fuck would the powers that be do if we all just joined teams? Right. We all just uh, made one team and weren't divided. It'd be a lot harder to rule us. It'd be a lot harder to make us stay at home during a quarantine and during a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be a lot more difficult if we all rally together against our against our government, against our, our leaders. But if we're divided, it's a lot easier to keep us in, in, in check. Right. So my point is this. The person might not have listened to the full episode or listened to previous episodes or anything like that. Right. That's all I'm saying. It, they're not necessarily – well, I guess they are. If they listen to five seconds, then they're a listener, I guess, is what you could say about that. It's likely one of my haters. Yeah. Either way, I, I mean, they, they said that it's from the show, so they had to at least watch a little bit of the show. Because we because, didn't post because, a video about that, did we? No, that's why I'm saying like we didn't. Yes, po- we did. Oh, did we? I don't remember. Oh. Either way, either way, maybe we didn't. I, I, I don't know. Whatever. Oh well. Yeah, like you said, it, it means that we've got listeners, and regardless of what their opinion is, or if they're just a troll, we're getting listeners that have different opinions. And I welcome that, except for how he did it. <laughs> I, I, welcome, I welcome different perspectives and different views, but I only welcome it if it is in a way that you're not calling me a racist for giving an opinion. I, yeah, I mean, again, it's not... He, he or she really didn't have... They, they weren't trying to get into a debate Right. They're just trying to get a, a reaction out of me, which ultimately is going to be really difficult to do uh, because I've had experience with. Thank God for my experience with trolls, I guess. Right. I don't know. I've had to learn to bite my tongue quite a few times. Well, I, mean, um, I mean, he or she says that they take it as a win, I guess, because they didn't think that you would actually reply, which that's a weird thing anyways, to send something and then leave a little bit of amount of a time and then come back and say, well, I knew you wouldn't reply to me. I, yeah. I, I, I get, and if they want to take that as a win, that's fine too. And they may take it as a win also that whoever they are is getting us talking about them on the show. And if, I mean, regardless, whatever, but they're apparently they're listening and apparently yeah. it, it gives us more topics to talk, more things to talk about. So I take it as a win also. Yeah. Well, I think what, if I had to guess, if it's if it's someone who doesn't already know who I am, not that anyone should, I'm nobody, but if it's someone who didn't already know who I was, then what happened was is I tweeted something that upset them. They didn't say anything, but they started paying attention to my tweets. And then at some point I posted a video for promoting our podcast, and then they actually did go in and listen. And it just so happened to be that episode, or they've been listening all along, and this was the first time during I mean, it's the first time we've talked about race on the podcast. So, uh, so it, you know, it could have been the first time that they were offended or whatever the case may be. <laughs> I really hope it's not an old person, old troll. That would just be criminally sad. 
It's just, just I mean, like, it's, it's criminally sad that... When are you going to move on? It, it's, it's criminally sad that they made a second profile to come at you with. And that they admitted that it was people, them that was doing it. People do that all the time, though. There's burner accounts upon burner accounts upon burner accounts. I know. And it's just... Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 uh, well, look, I stand by what I said on the podcast and then I stand by what I said on Twitter about Michael Jordan. That motherfucker <laughs> is a, an animal. He is a savage. Yes, he is. I love that show. I knew I was going to love it, but I get to like sort of relive things that I completely forgot about, mm -hmm. um, that are so much fun to sort of the nostalgia that comes with that. Um, man, you just forget about that entire thing. It was, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great show. How far are, again, are you? I, uh, I'm caught up. Oh, you are? No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not caught up because for some reason I can't fight episode two on ESPN plus. So huh. I need to see episode two for whatever reason. Okay. I don't know what that's about, but I'm caught up as far as the rest of them go. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, he was a... Like the one of the parts that I found not only to be interesting but funny was the sh you know you know Scott Burrell. Uh-huh. Remember that whole scene where he's at the they're sort of introducing who Scott Burrell was and who he was to the team and Mike said, Look, he's a nice guy, but no no real desire, like no like drive. And then he talks about why he wrote him so hard and a really popular word back in the 90s that was like an insult word was the word ho. Right. You could say it to a female or to a man. Mm -hmm. And it just dug at you a little bit, right? He kept calling him a ho when he was at the free throw. <laughs> and I was like, God damn, Michael Jordan was a motherfucker. I forgot about that word. I forgot about the word ho. I was like, oh my God. Um, and like, too, the, the other way, too, like, I thought it was really interesting, too, is when you heard him in his best moments of sort of now, I'm going to call him a leader, but leading by example, by talking trash and being really just a, a dickhead. He was a completely different guy than the media, Michael Jordan. His his tone of voice and his speech, right, mm -hmm. completely changed. Mm -hmm. like, you know, Mike's kind of, he's kind of a hood motherfucker. And like, you kind of think like, <laughs> fuck, fuck you up. Like, so he doesn't fuck around, man. Like, look, if you, so the other thing that I said too, I think I remember when I was we were talking about the show, I said, you know, I kind of have heard these things about Michael Jordan anyway. I actually read that Michael Jordan rules book that was on the, they talked about it. I actually read that when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a few years later, because I think when it came out, I was pretty young and I certainly wasn't getting into books like, well, I was reading sports related books, but they were a lot more lighthearted than that. Um, so I had heard some of this stuff, certainly never seen it. So if you weren't following that story closely, then you didn't know, all you knew about Michael Jordan was, uh, I want to be like Mike, right. you know, the mm -hmm. commercials, the Gatorade, the McDonald's, the, 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 the shoes, like you didn't see that sort of trash talking. Like I run this shit side of him. Mm -hmm. So it's like, God, you're like, God damn this motherfucker. Like he was a, yeah. Some, some of the behind the scenes stuff that I really enjoyed too, which maybe you may have known about it back then, but I think it was like when they were playing the Knicks in the finals and stuff like that, like the, the goal was Michael Jordan didn't score. If he leaves the ground, oh, yeah. he hits the ground. That is, oh, yeah. that's the goal. And I mean, when you, when you look at the scores of these games, 
and the final scores 78, of these 77 yeah 78 77 yeah. and michael jordan had four had over half of the points for the team right how insane is that the one that i thought was i thought was great so the finals against the phoenix suns when they went in game 6 mhm john paxson hits the game winning yep. three right mhm that was the first time anyone else on the bulls scored that fourth quarter michael jordan had every single point in that quarter other than that game winning shot mm-hmm. that's fucking crazy man that is so ins- it's so insane well it's like i've heard the argument made too about how lebron was afraid to take the big shot but jordan always did and then i've heard people come back to that argument well what about the times that bj armstrong hit the shot or steve kerr or john paxson or craig hodges right people go well what about those times i go yeah in those times jordan scored every single other point right Right. Mm -hmm. He didn't give him the ball until that moment or that person didn't get a chance to even John Paxson. He even admits it. He goes, I wasn't supposed to have the ball then. Right. And he goes, I shot because I panicked. Uh Like I was not supposed to have the ball. He was wide open standing there at the three point line. Why not let him shoot? Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Michael didn't shoot in those situations because he scored all of the other points. Like that's kind of the and you don't think about that until you rewatch those games and go, oh, my God, he did. Like he. Just. It's a really good show. I don't think it, you necessarily have to like Michael Jordan or basketball to enjoy that. However, I did ask my wife this morning. I was like, you want to rewatch some of this? She's like, no, I don't care. I'm like, oh, Really? Yeah. See, my wife yeah. is the opposite. My wife has never been into anything like this. And I mean, she likes them. I mean, when, when it comes to TV shows and stuff like that, me and her, we can find some shows that we like, we can binge. But most of the time, she's more reality TV driven. And I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I could not care less. This she is in love with. It. She she's more excited about watching the last two episodes tonight than I am. And but the good thing is too is that I'm going to get her into some 30, 30 for thirties too because she's seen some previews for some of those and she's excited about watching some of those too. Previews for the newer ones? Uh, I don't know, just whatever they've been show. I don't. I'm not sure exactly what ones they've been showing on the um, during the Last Dance commercials and stuff, but they've been showing some okay. some old ones and stuff. Uh, so, so there are three. Three new ones coming out. There's a Lance Armstrong one. Mm-hmm. There's a Bruce Lee one. And they let me tell you something, dude. Bruce Lee was my hero when I was a child. They better do my dude. They better do right <laughs> by my dude. That's all I'm saying. Because uh, Quentin Tarantino did not in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> um, we won't get into that. And then uh, I can't remember. I was just, while you were talking, I was trying to remember the third one. It's, a, it's one that I want to see, too. I can't fucking remember what it is. Um, yeah, you got to go back and watch some of those 30 for 30s, man. There are so many good ones. Yeah. Uh, I actually tweeted someone of someone I follow tweeted their top five in mine were completely different, but mine are the nature boy for sure. That was one, the one about for sure. Flair. Mm-hmm. The bad boys one about the Detroit Pistons, the fab five one about the Mich- uh, Michigan team, uh, the one about Tommy Morrison. And then what was my fifth? I think it's probably... Oh, I hate Christian Leitner. I love that one. Okay. I can watch it over and over and over. And then, you know, there's the Believe Land one that's just, it's special to me because it's about Cleveland sports. Uh, but there's so many good ones, man. So many fucking good ones. All of the uh, – well, I brought up one, the one about Hank Gathers. It's called Guru of Go. You need to go watch that one. I'm telling you. You'll be like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, just – there's so many good ones. The one about um, – oh, God, the two Escobars. Do you know what that one's about? Mm-mm. So, do you know the story about when the United States was playing Colombia in the World Cup and Colombia scored in their own goal? I don't think so. 
So a guy for Columbia, his last name is Escobar, scored. He was the guy that scored the ball in his own goal. Okay. 30 for 30 is about him and Pablo Escobar. You know who that is. Yes. And connection between Pablo and that guy. And that, that guy was murdered after the World Cup. So they're trying, they were trying to make a connection between the two. Right. It's very, very interesting. It's, it's huh. really, it's one of the better ones too. Um, but yeah. Huh. I'm looking up the new ones because I got to know what that third one was. Okay. So I have, uh, before we move on too far, I want to go back to the Michael Jordan, the, the, the last dance. Because for one, what do you think, do you think it was extremely stressful for Phil Jackson to coach the Bulls with Michael Jordan, and do you th- or do you think that it the the coaching aspect was easier because Michael Jordan's going to be Michael Jordan on the floor, or and more stressful in the uh the personal issues outside of the actual court? I don't think it was easy on him by any means because of how big Michael Jordan was off of the court. So you had to sort of, you had to maintain the idea that he was still part of a team, even though he was this global icon. I can't imagine that was easy on him. I mean, he tells the story about, you know, after the, uh, who were they playing when they lost? Oh, when they were playing the Knicks and they lost game one at the garden and he went to Atlantic city and he was gambling until early in the morning. And then the next game, was it the next game? Game two. Yeah. They lost game two. In game two, they said he looked tired, and then come to find out people saw him in Atlantic City. So Phil, he had to go into an office with him and, and Krause and talk about that with Michael Jordan. Now, imagine what's going through Phil's brain during that. Right. I got to tell the best player in the world, right, the biggest star in the world from our league, I got to tell him that he can't go blow off some steam right. in between games, right. even though he's already won me two titles, right? He's going to win me more titles probably. I got to go tell this guy that he can't do this. Phil must have been like, I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get punched in the jaw. Like, right. I'm not going to go in there and tell him they can't do this shit. And look, is the best thing for a professional athlete to be doing at a casino? Should he be at a, at a casino until one in the morning, the night before a big game, gambling, smoking cigars, probably doing a little boozing? Is that which, you know, there are reports that Michael Jordan didn't really drink that much back then. Hmm. Like you see him in videos and on the last dance, like drinking a beer after a game with the guys. But like, he's probably boozing up in AC, like. Is it the best thing for a professional athlete to be doing that? No. But right. you know who gets a fucking pass? <laughs> Michael Jordan. Right? Yeah. He gets a free pass. Right. He gets to do what he wants. <laughs> so I can't I imagine that part of it was stressful. You know, and all the other of course we know that because of the documentary, but all the other shit. He probably had to deal with similar situations like that. Not to mention, oh, by the way, Mike's dad was murdered. Now they're trying to make connections between Mike's gambling and his dad being Phil was there for that all was of insane, that. The players yeah. were there for all of that. The management, like, dude, they, they all had to deal with that. So I can't, yeah, again, I'm sure it was stressful. The the craziest, okay, there the two things that were the craziest to me in that whole thing was that you're looking at the Bulls who brought in back to back titles. And all and all the media is is that the Bulls are not going to have the two prime people who made them have the last the two titles in the last two years they're you yeah. know what i'm saying they're it's like this is the the best team probably ever in this league and next year we're not going to have the coach we're not going to have the, the best player on this team or in the entire league 
Like, wouldn't you think that if you were the Bulls in that scenario, you would be doing everything you possibly could to keep those guys? Yeah, but that's it's a greedy business. It's a corrupt business. Know, they're gonna still. try to find they're gonna try to find shortcuts, man. I think look, so much emphasis, and again, I I have to I so much emphasis was put on that whole that whole thing, you know, contracts and, and the negotiations and and but look. Do these guys really make it seem like they're easy to work with? Any of them. Right. Any of the players, any of the coaches. Do they, did they really paint a picture of like, this is an easy job. This is an easy gig. We're going to make all of the decisions easy on you. Fuck no. Right. Again, you got the biggest icon in the history of the sport. You got Scottie Pippen, who believes he deserves everything in the world. Right. You got a guy like Rodman coming in, creating the, that whole different dynamic, which good luck with that. Again, I thought, like I said, as big a cultural icon that Jordan was for all the stuff that he did, so was Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. And for all of the different, the you know, completely different reasons than Jordan, because of the chaos he was creating and the, the taboo things that he was doing or things that he was doing were considered taboo. He was always there in the spotlight for that as well. So your three biggest stars, you got to manage that. You got to manage those expectations. How do we make this work? Not only how do we make this work, but how do we financially make this work, right? The whole thing is just crazy. So no, I, I a lot of the emphasis was put on that, and I'm not saying I side with the owners or the any, anyone. I don't really side with anyone. Just from looking at both sides, you go, well, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know how to make it work. But that's why I'm not a professional sports GM or owner or player. I don't know. What do you, I mean, what do you, what is your take on it? Like, what do you think should have been, what, what could have been different, I guess? I don't know. I, I, I was impressed by, by Phil Jackson's coaching, especially when you see all the behind the scenes stuff, because of the fact that he had to adapt to every different personality. And there was a wide variety of personalities on that team. And that's why I kind of said it was kind of, it may have been kind of easier because he was able to just like, he, he said, I just had to let Dennis Rodman be Dennis Rodman. And then he just had to guide him a little bit more, you know, on the court. So that's what I was saying. Like it may have been a little bit easier because he, he had a team where he just kind of had to let the guys be who they were and then try to form a dynamic somewhere to where they all meshed, which isn't the easiest thing to do with Michael Jordan on your team because he believes that he is that team. And I feel like you got your other guys too, like Steve Kerr and Tony Kukoc and, you know, these guys that kind of are soft-spoken and didn't say a whole lot about, you know, I think they were just easy to, you put them on the court and tell them what to do, they do it. Yeah, that was one of the interesting things too, uh, the the dream team season when, you know, they drafted Tony Kukoc. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen both like were bothered by the way that they were introduced to him and the way he was brought in, talking about how he's the future. Mm-hmm. They, they both took that personally. And I'm thinking, what the hell? What, what do you mean? What are you taking personally? Yeah. And they took it out on him in the Olympics. Savages, man. Savages. <laughs> they, um, the, uh, the other thing that I was interested in in that is that, so they, they talked about the shoes and how they, the, the first year, I mean, this was way before Michael was even Michael, really. And, you know, they said that they wanted to sell like 7 million in the first, the first year, I think. Was it three, $3 million? million? And they end up selling like 120? 125 million. Yeah. Which That's is so insane. Crazy. But the second thing is how pissed off is Adidas right now? Because Michael Jordan wanted it to be Adidas. He didn't want Nike. Yeah. 
He wanted Adidas and they said they couldn't make the shoe right now. Now, on one hand, I'm like, if, like I said, Michael wasn't Michael yet. They didn't know what was going to happen. And if Adidas didn't have the capability of making the shoe at that time, okay, I, I get it and I get why they passed. But if you owned Adidas now and you look at Nike, you have to be so pissed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now we have Yeezys. <laughs> Fuck your Yeezys. Fuck your if, Yeezys. If they, if they sign Jordan, we never have Yeezys. And then maybe Nike does, and that would be a travesty. But what yeah, you, if you're Yeezys Adidas, are Adidas? Yeah. I did not know that. I don't think I've ever actually seen a Yeezy. I know what it is. It's Kanye West, right? All right, right, man. All right, man. What? What What was your question? (laughs) I don't know. Did I have a question? Didn't you just ask something? You said, I've never seen a Yeezy, but what did you say? Who who is Yeezy's for? Kanye. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. But no, I've never actually seen one. And I don't really care to see one, to be honest with you. Do you own a pair of Yeezys? Are you telling me... Would you own a pair of Yeezys? No, no, no. I I, I don't like them. Okay. Not for me. Okay. I am I am a I am a Nike guy. Okay. Yes. Okay. No, no. Not an Adidas guy. No. No. I also wouldn't wear a Kanye shoe. That's just me. I know they're they're uh, culturally speaking, they're one of the most popular shoes. Not as popular as Jordan's, but no, no, not for me. The other thirty for thirty coming out is uh, called Long Gone Summer. It's about. uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And oh, that's right. Run. Yeah. So that looks good too. I'll be into that. That'll be a um, Yeah. Speaking of watching or seeing, did you, did I send you that? Um, I don't think I did, but did I send you the clip of Lil Dicky on the breakfast club? Like his actual uh-uh. real appearance. Mm-mm. Damn. Damn it. Did I send you the freestyle from the show? Uh-uh. Damn it. So I, I rewatched that just because it, it came up in my feed and the part where they're asking him, like, are you going to rap today? And, you know, he kind of froze and, and didn't didn't do well in the situation. Mm-hmm. And then I watched that freestyle again. It's like, yeah, this is the way he wanted it to go. This is the way he wanted it to go. He 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 Michael Jordan Charlemagne. Gotcha. I prove you wrong. Like. Uh, this and again, that's just a, my opinion. But I was like, yeah, this is the way he wanted it to go. This is the way it should have gone for him. But it's a good, it's a, it's a good part of the show. I'm glad it, I'm glad it ended that way, with with him doing that. And then my name is, and then the beat just kind of plays out, fades out. Uh-huh. That's a really good part. So back to our original conversation, I think that's a really good part of that show is is his producer and him going through the process of making beats but not making them necessarily for the right people and not getting what he feels he's worth for them. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a process for him that he has to go through. And then there's that scene with him and Trippy Red where Trippy Red's like trying to explain to him what he wants and he has no idea what he's talking about. Again, there's that. They just met each other. They've never worked together. They don't know how each other works. That that feeling out process mm-hmm. that he has to go through. And then he ends up, I'm going on tour with Trippy Red. Look, man, the dude's a creator. The other dude's a creator. They butted heads, but now they're working together. Like it, That's... That's real. That part of the show right there, that is as real as it gets. Right. That happens. I, I um, would like I would like to in the second season see them do a little more uh inside the studio work. Whether it's whether it's portrayed as what he wanted, you know, how he wanted things to go, like there are some parts in the show where we've talked about that, um, or whether it's portrayed as 
this is actually how things went. It do, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I just I would just like to see more in the studio stuff. You see a little bit of it, like uh, the there's a one of the episodes where his girlfriend comes in and he all he's doing into the mic is just a sound, just making a sound over and over again, trying to get what I guess what you said earlier, like bringing a different emotion to a sound to make it sound the way you want it to. The auto tune scene. Yeah. So I, I, I just, that st- kind of stuff interests me because it's thing, like I said earlier, it's things where the, the average person doesn't know what happens inside of a studio. All they know is what the finished product sounds like and if they like it or not. Yeah. I would imagine that they don't do more of that because the average viewer of that show Isn't doesn't care? care about it. Yeah. I, got I you. think you're an out, I think you're an outlier, man. Unfortunately, hmm. I think you're going to see more of the 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 ridiculousness of the music industry and the the relationships and all that stuff that we got to have in our shows right i get it but maybe maybe not i mean maybe it does i don't know i mean if if it's if it's semi-autobiographical and it's following if it's anything like the way his career has gone i would i would imagine that the next part of the show is is that whole sort of blowing up phase so we get a lot of the the Hollywood parties and the ridiculous, you know, sort of things that whatever, whether they're true or not, yeah, it doesn't I, really matter. I would also like to see them give us, like, do some, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, but where you, you callbacks, I guess. I'd like to see them do some kind of callbacks on some of the episodes where they cut things off before they really showed you what happened, like with the Meek Mill thing when he opened like when up for Meek Mill. With- fucking meek mail and we know and we don't know what happened right i would like i would like to think that they did that on purpose and that they were expecting like maybe the second season they do some callbacks show you know a, a few minutes of what led up to that again and then sh- you know show how the the show went and stuff like that well i mean this is just me not cr- that sitting on my couch not creating a fucking thing saying that i hope i wish they would do this but you know yeah, I mean, I, I'd be with that. There's a lot of me that says, you know, in the last episode when he goes through the song for the record label, that whole, I did the show after I exposed myself at the show. Maybe that was the Meek Mill show. I yeah, don't know. maybe. I don't know. Either way, I was pissed at the time. I was like, how are you not going to tell us what happened? And you're going to talk talk about this. Anyway, that, that, that follow-up episode to that moment, I was like, kind of losing me a little bit yeah um, um but either way yeah well we didn't really get into any ufc talk although we had planned on it but uh i the one downside to using my phone for recording video is that it does t- try to die so is your phone dying it's about 10 percent right now okay. i'm afraid we, if we, we if we, we dive into another rabbit hole we're gonna end up losing it all so we can we can talk about the UFC this week. Yeah, I think we're going to record during the week next week, anyways. So it won't be too it won't be too uh, outdated. Cool. Hopefully. All right. We are out. <laughs>